0: How many? Uh, how many people have ever had uh, a you know someone like a you know family member or mom or teacher tell you to get your priorities straight? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Good. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times, what do we say? You know, as a as a good Christian, good Christian guy, you know, what do you say? You say uh, it's faith family, friends, right? In that order. And uh, and if you like come from a Christian background, your mom probably has that like painted on some like distressed wood and hanging up in their house. You've probably taking a picture of it and posting it on Pinterest. Faith, family, friends. Oh, yeah. It's my life. You know what I'm saying? The problem is I'm here tonight to tell you, to, to propose to you that I think that that is actually a wrong way to think about our walks with Jesus. Some of you are like, Steve, did you just call my mama wrong? <laughs> That's it. That's right as I walk in the door. What am I supposed to do now? Tell her to take that down? No, I'm not saying take that down. I'm saying sometimes we look at our Christian walks with Jesus a little bit in the wrong way, and we look at it as a priority Rather than looking at it as, as what we're going to talk about tonight, so I got an example up here for you guys. Uh, imagine that this jar represents the capacity for your life. Okay, whether that looks like maybe this is the amount of time or the amount of energy or the amount of motion emotion that you have to pour into something. Right. Well, we fill our lives with a lot of different things. Right. Let's just say we. We say that, yeah, family's important, so family goes in the jar, right? Friends are important, so friends go in the jar. I just, you know, you say, ah, oh, I just met uh, met a nice young lady or a nice young man. I'm spending a little bit more time with that person. I'm going to throw that in the jar, right? And many of you are in school, and so you throw school in a jar. You throw studies in the jar. Some of you are working. Obviously, you need to pay for life. You you have a career, Right, that you're chasing, and that career involves obviously you need to be going to school, but also you got to build your resume, right? And so you do some good humanitarian work, you get those volunteer hours in, you join the accounting club, and uh, and you do what you need to do, right? And then there's stuff on top of that. Obviously, you want to relax, and so you 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 add a hobby, and you add a leisure time, and you're like, yeah, I I deserve a Netflix binge tonight right? Yeah, I'm going to watch all nine seasons of that TV show in one sitting, and my eyeballs are going to fall out, all right? And so then we add a few other things, right? It's obviously important to, to manage your finances. It's obviously important to worry about your future, right? And then there's that There's that other stuff that kind of is, you know. You're like, well, you know, like maybe some some stuff that's not necessarily good, but you have to deal with it. Maybe there's a family member that's sick, or you have a health issue by yourself, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot! You know what? I forgot this 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 thing that Steve talks about a lot. It's his name's God. Uh, Okay, well now all of a sudden we don't have room for him, right? And the first time the first thing that comes up obviously what is the first thing that shakes out of our life it's him. Now so what we've done as good Christians right is we've dumped the cup out and we said well we need to put God first. So what do we do? We put God first. And we put some really good Christian things around him like going to Kai Alpha, going to small group, you know, evangelizing helping out at our church, serving on the worship team, and then there's work and school and life and hobbies and leisure and all of this different stuff, right? And we end up with a problem. Even if we make God a priority, he is still just a ping pong ball in our life. And he's just a component of a bunch of stuff and we shove a bunch of stuff in our life, and that's great. It's better than nothing. It's better than having God on the top and having Him topple out, but it's still not where He wants to be. It's still not how He wants to interact in our lives. See, I believe that God does not want to be a priority. A priority means that we have compartmentalized God into some sort of boundary. A priority means that, that we can obviously have God here, something here, something here, and we've kind of ordered our operations. And even if God is number one, I think we have it all wrong because God called us to do something else. In Luke 14, we see that Jesus is telling his people, his followers, what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. How how many people would like to be a disciple of Jesus in here? Anybody? Okay. He's a pretty cool dude, pretty wise dude. And whether you, you think he... Is the son of God or not? I mean, he's a really legit guy, right? I mean, so anyways, so moving on. So we have a parable. It's it's called the, not the parable, the cost of being a disciple. So there's large crowds gathering and large crowds, crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not, Hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone, if anyone who does not carry his cross and follows me cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, Jesus, that's a little harsh, okay? <laughs> like, that kind of like doesn't go well with my faith family-friends thing that I have hanging on my wall, right? <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm supposed to hate my family and hate my wife, hate my kids? That doesn't make sense. But he goes on to, to, to clarify himself, right? It, Jesus is is speaking in, in some form of like a, a kind of a hyperbole here, kind of an extreme way to kind of get a, a point across. And so he goes on and he says, suppose that uh, that you are building a building and you have a building project going on. Do you not count the cost before you make a commitment to building that building? Otherwise, you get halfway through, and you look like a fool when you can't finish it, right? So then the next the next example is that you have a, a king, and Jesus says, does not a king, before he goes into battle, does he not essentially weigh the options and whether or not he can win the war? He's not just going to send his soldiers into something to be conquered, right? So he says that there are costs associated with the discipleship, and so he goes on to say this. He says, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Again, I say in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Jesus tells us, hey, listen, there's a cost associated with discipleship. It is not just inserting God into being a priority in your life. It is not just adding Jesus in your life and thinking that everything is going to be okay. What Jesus says is he says, listen, you need to completely and entirely dump everything at my feet. And I am looking for this, he says. I'm looking for an empty vessel who has said no to his own life, to lay down his life so that I can fill it up with what it is that I want to fill it up with. This is the cost of becoming a disciple of Jesus. Total and absolute surrender. Not inserting God into our system, but saying, God, my system is your system and is not mine. Not just saying, God, you can have this portion of my life, but saying, God, my life is is yours and so then what jesus does see what's cool is that when we come to know jesus see this guy named the holy spirit comes to live within us okay the water is going to represent the holy spirit tonight and then every single day the beautiful thing about serving jesus is every single day we have the holy spirit within us and every single day we get to go before jesus and we say jesus what cross do you want me to carry today my life is yours, and yes, he might say, "Hey, I need you to be a really good son to your mom tonight, or to your, to your. I need you to be a really good daughter. Yeah, I need you to devote some time to Chi Alpha. Yeah, I need you to devote some time to me in the Word. Yeah, I'm. I have called you to be an engineer or to be a teacher, so I need you to study and be a good steward of that. And I. I am going to ask you to work hard at your job and to be a good steward of that job so that you can testify, you can be a, a testimony of, of my faithfulness to the people around you. And all of a sudden, this starts to fill up with stuff, right? But see, look what happens. And yes, our lives get full. We have lots of commitments. We can't just say no, go live in the mountains and say whatever, right? Some of you wish that could happen, uh, being an Alaskan. It's like, yeah, Steve, that's actually where I'm, where, I'm, where I'm headed after school, right? I don't know where you're at. But all of a sudden, do you notice what happens when we do this? Not only is, are we only carrying what God has called us to carry, but he is not just a segment of our lives. He's not just a portion of our lives. He surrounds every single thing in our life. He, we have immersed our job. We have immersed school. We have immersed our studies. We have immersed our, our interactions with our families. We have immersed my relationship. I've immersed my marriage. I've immersed my family in how God wants it to go. Isn't that so much more beautiful than trying to do all those things by ourselves? And saying, God, I need you in every single aspect of this. I need you in every single aspect of my life. And guess what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to dump it all out. And I'm going to ask you, what crosses are you calling me to carry today? What are you calling me to do today? Because I believe every single day with Jesus is a little bit different. See, discipleship cannot be becoming a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus, cannot mean compartmentalization. It cannot not mean just making God a priority. It means moving from a compartment to making God my all and all. So how do we get there? Well, the first thing we have to do is know the cost of total surrender. Again, Jesus can't be tacked on. We must be all in. There's no such thing as as the best of both worlds when it comes to following Jesus Christ. Jesus says very explicitly in the word of God that, that he would rather have us be hot or cold, but if we are lukewarm, he will spit us out of his mouth. What does he mean by that? He says, man, I want you all in because he stinks, Not only are you, guys, when we go all in for Jesus, what happens is that he becomes Lord of our lives and we receive the fullness of God's plan that he has for us. See, the would-be followers of Jesus, if you read in Luke 9, just a couple chapters before this, they're they're called the would-be followers of Jesus, right? The disciples that didn't make it. They would run up to Jesus and say, man, I want to follow you. You do cool miracles, and you do all this incredible stuff. I want to follow you. But the first guy wanted comfort, and Jesus couldn't promise a plush, comfy life. He says, the Son of God has no place to lay his head. And so he walked away. The second guy came up, and he said, and he wanted convenience. He said, hey, I want to follow you, but hang on. I just, I got to go take care of some business at home. And Jesus said, listen, like it's now or never. You can't just serve me when it's convenient for you. I need to be your all in all. And the third guy came up and he said, hey, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. But let me just go say goodbye to my family first. And Jesus looked at him and replied. He says, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Jesus is essentially saying that if you're going to do this, do it. You cannot just put your hand to the plow and be like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then be like, oh, sweet, a squirrel, right? Like, but we do that all the time in our lives. Like, oh, what's going on over there? That looks like a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we're like driving over something or our lines are getting crooked because we're not focusing on what it is that God has called us to do. See, true freedom and true fullness And the true fullness of the promises of God and the true plan of God comes through an attitude of total surrender. And you might be here tonight and you say, man, Steve, Christianity really hasn't worked for me in the past or it's really not working for me right now. And these promises that that you talk about God having, man, I don't really feel them in my life. Well, if God has given a promise that you know is true and you're not feeling it in your life, I believe that it's not, God God does not have something wrong with him. He's not broken and you're not necessarily, there's not something wrong with you. I think what is wrong is that we have not taken whatever it is that we are feeling burdened by and we have not laid it at the feet of Jesus. And we have not let it become surrounded by the love and the grace and the mercy and the peace and the compassion of Jesus Christ because it was never laid at his feet in the first place. And I know I've been talking, uh, I think so many times we, we are picking things up that we were never meant to pick up. We're holding on to things that we were never meant to continue holding on to and carry. Jesus says, lay them at my feet. Sur- when surrender, there is freedom. It's counterintuitive. I, uh, I know I've been talking a lot about my, my dad, but that's what's going on in my life right now. And so I want to be real with you guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and he's going to be going through a, a bone marrow transplant here next month. He lives three and a half thousand miles away in Minnesota, and there are times when 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 I think about my dad and it and it hurts. There's times when I think about my dad and and it's rough and it's it's not easy. But I'm so thankful. See, when I when I realize it, I realize so often that when I start to feel anguish, when I start to feel pain, when I start to feel overwhelmed by by, by, the, by the heaviness that comes with all of this stuff going on at home and I'm not able to do anything there, Jesus constantly reminds me, Steve, you're not called to do anything right now. You're called to surrender these emotions to me. And yes, today I might have you call your dad and encourage him. Today I might have you call your dad and pray with him. But you're not called to carry this burden by yourself. I think so many times, especially to the guys in this room, so many times when we walk through junk, we think that we need to like man up and kind of just say, you know what, I can handle this. I can do this. I'm a man, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that we're not designed to do it ourselves. We're designed to operate in surrender. We're designed to operate in a way where we go before the Lord and we say, God, I cannot do this by myself. And that is the only way that I'm ever going to be able to receive the freedom that comes and the joy and the peace and the everything, all the blessings that come from, from the Lord in this area. The second thing that we must do in order to not compartmentalize our Christianity is to realize that surrender is worth it. Realize that surrender is worth it. The cost associated with discipleship becoming a true disciple of Jesus far the, 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 the costs the costs are far outweighed by the benefits but in order to see that we must understand the value of our God it's like the parable that Jesus told about the the person who who found a an item of great worth in the field and so they went he went and he sold everything that he had in order to go purchase that field. To the world, it didn't make sense. Why would you sell all of your possessions to buy one field, but the person knew that it was worth total surrender to get the prize possession that was in that field? And you see, that's what surrender is all about, is recognizing that following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus is the most valuable, most incredible thing that you could ever do with your life. And so the benefits far outweigh the costs. It's worth everything. It is worth our life. When we are able to understand that, we stop just believing in God and we start, we start believing God, right? We start believing God's promises. We realize that God's promises are not just true, but God's promises are our best. And so many times people say, well, Steve, if, if I truly surrender everything, God's going to make me do something that I really hate or really don't enjoy. Uh, no, he's not, all right? He might tell you to do something that's tough. He might tell you to do something that is very difficult, stretches you out of your comfort zone. He might tell you to do something that you, that you argue with him about for a while and you say, I don't think so, I'm not ready for that but when you walk in it, he, it is going to give you more joy and fulfillment than anything that you ever could have dreamed of giving you. He's not going to ask you to do something you hate. He's just going to ask you to do everything in your life with greater purpose. I mean, think about this, guys. If this is truly how we were living our lives, with God immersed in every single thing that you do, it's easy to talk about God immersing our time at Chi Alpha, right? our time at small group. It's easy to even talk about how God has called me to be that teacher or that engineer or that nurse or that doctor or whatever it is. And so I'm going to immerse that. But what about our trips to the grocery store? What if we immerse that in God? What if we went to the grocery store with purpose, knowing that it could very possibly be, God could very possibly be setting up a divine appointment for me at the grocery store today. What if we went to class every single day, immersed in God what if God had something lined up for us in class that day to do someone to talk to a divine appointment someone waiting to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ someone waiting to be loved for the very first time with the love of Jesus and all of a sudden our, our it stops becoming this to-do list and it starts becoming a natural flow sometimes we well proverbs 3 Verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. What is the key to making sure that your paths are straight? In all your ways submit to him. And so many times we're begging and asking God, God, give me direction. Show me what's next. What do you have for me? What are the next steps in our lives? When in reality, it's just about waking up every single morning and surrendering to him and saying, God, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go anywhere without you being able, knowing that you have immersed that, that I've surrendered that action. I've surrendered my time. I've surrendered my energy to you today. The third thing that we must do to avoid compartmentalizing Christianity is to move from commitment to conviction. I believe what Jesus is trying to get across here is that he is not looking for committed followers, he's looking for convicted followers. What do I mean by that? What's the difference? Commitment means that you are dedicated to a cause. Conviction means that you are willing to do anything for that cause. See the difference? Conviction means you're not just you're willing to do anything for that cause to the point of giving up anything, even your own life, for the cause. Are we committed to the cause of Christ? Are we committed to the gospel or are we convicted for the gospel? Are we willing to give up everything to follow Jesus, to do whatever it takes? Commitment is very hard for our generation. It's something that many people write about. Millennials don't know how to commit to anything, right? Well, I got good news for you. You don't need to commit to anything. You need to get convicted to Jesus. And you know who the only only person who's able to do that? (laughs) Not you, the Holy Spirit living within you. You've heard me quote Andrew Murray before, but many of us, he says, many of us at times have prayed for power from God, and we have received something, but oh so little. Because we have prayed for power to do work and power for blessing, but we have never prayed for power for full deliverance from ourselves. Isn't that beautiful? Essentially what he's saying is he's saying true followers of Christ start by saying, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to Rip my life out, of, rip my desires, rip my flesh out of me and lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, fill me up with whatever it is that you want to fill me up with. Commitment means that we are following a priority. Conviction means we are willing to die for what we believe in. One of the things I'm really looking forward to in January for the World Mission Summit is that I'm going to get to sit at a table with people that are serving God in countries where if people found out that they were Christians, they would be immediately killed. I can't wait to sit at a table and have a missionary tell me, you know what, I would love to tell you where I live, but I can't, because it's so sensitive that if somehow it got back to government authorities over there, me and my whole family would be executed. I can't wait to meet those people, because those people are the epitome of what we're talking about tonight that they have moved god from just being this compartmentalized box to being the all and everything in their life they have moved him from being just com- a commitment that they make once twice three four times a week to making him the convicted the, this conviction that they follow to the point of ending their own li- ending their life to go somewhere where no one no other person would ever want to go Because when we when we behave and we operate like this, I love the, the the end of this verse, okay, or the end of this passage. It says that salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? What Jesus is talking about here is the fact that he has said that we are called to be the salt of the earth as Christians, right? So what he's talking about is he says, "Hey, if you are going to if you are going to have zest if you're going to have taste if you are going to have flavor for Christ if you are going to be a if you're going to be an example of a desirable life that other people want to be drawn to and want to wonder what the heck is up with you because you have a hope you have a you have a joy that you, they've never seen before if you're going to have that you need to be surrounded by God in order to not lose your saltiness. You need to be all in. You need to be immersed in what it is that God has for us. And the worship team can come back up. You know, I think this is so important for us as Americans today. And so many people are upset at at our government for taking God out of our schools, for taking God out of different things. We can't say, "In God we trust anymore. We can't say all this stuff, right? And we get all bent out of shape about it. But what if we stopped worrying about that so much, Stop worrying about a, a word coming off of something, and we start worrying more about whether or not I am going to bring Jesus into the places where I go. We might not be able to pray in schools anymore. But guess what? If you're called to be a teacher, God is going to bring you into that school. And if you are a salty, God-fearing person, you are going to bring Jesus into that school with you. See, that is that is what I believe this country needs. That is what I believe that, that this world needs. It needs people who are agreeing to say, yeah, I'm going to be salty for Jesus. I'm surrounding myself with everything because I'm going to be totally immersed, totally convicted, totally surrendered to him. Hey, we love you so much. Thanks for journeying through life with us and uh, have a great week and we'll see- oh, just to let you know. Special treat next week. The one, the only. Aaron Pavic will be speaking. So So you don't want to miss it. We'll see you guys later. Have a great weekend.